Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, this is Black Menopause and Beyond, and this is Anita Powell. I do apologise, I'm a bit husky today because I've been blessed <laughs> with, with with the lurgy. So if you wonder why, oh, Anita's voice is broken, it's it's because I've got, I've got lurgy. But um, today in the podcast, I'm interviewing fabulous Belinda Ajayi. She is someone I've known for 17 years. I know, and you're thinking I'm only 18. How is that possible? But it is. <laughs> um, Belinda is a 55-year-old, young, I should say, mm-hmm. <laughs> post-menopausal woman. And um, she's going to talk to us a bit about her journey with her health over the past, say, 10 years ago, since she's noticed symptoms which could be peri- and, um, and menopausal symptoms. So, Belinda, tell us a bit more about you. Okay. Good morning, Anita. Gosh. 17 years. Good heavens. Where did the time go? That's strange. I know. And we're only 18. (laughs) Imagine. (laughs) Forever young. (laughs) If only. Oh, my God. Yeah. So about me. Well, I'm an educationalist. You know, I I do, you know, I do tuition. Um, What else do I do? I work. I've worked a lot as a teaching assistant, you know, so supporting children that have barriers to their learning, etc. And that's all been very good. You know, recently I've decided to change what I'm doing a little bit. I've had to tweak things um, so that I can think about my health or have time to, you know, put my health in order. You know, it's very hard to kind of hold down a full time job and have time to get to that gym or to that yoga session or even to have enough time with yourself. Because I found I was coming home from school and thinking, oh, my God, I've got to cook, got to do this, got to do a tuition. You know, so the evenings were quite busy. So I had to kind of make a very hard decision and think, okay, the day job has got to change. I need time. I need time to get to that swimming pool. I need time to to breathe I need time to recover after a painful night see living with osteoarthritis often it's painful when you're lying down and that sounds weird doesn't it you know because you expect to be lying down and have peace but you lie down and 
your bones hurt, you know. So by morning, you're quite exhausted, you know, because every night movement is a pain. So um, I decided to stop the day job, unfortunately, and use the daytime to kind of swim, rest, walk, you know, just do things that are really, 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 really going to benefit me and um, save the evening time for for tuition. And that, that, that balance seemed to help. And I think it helped me overall because when you talk about menopause, you're talking about sleepless nights, you're talking about hot flushes, you're talking about aches, brain fog. <laughs> when I changed up what I was doing, a lot of those symptoms seemed to kind of minimise because I could manage them, you know, I wasn't trying to juggle them with a full-time job, you know. But So that's where I am now. And another great thing that's happened now, Anita, is that there's more time to art, you know, for art. There's more time to draw and paint and connect with other artists, you know. So this is a really great time, you know. It really, will, it really is good to kind of have the time just to, you know, find out more about myself, you know? So that's, that's good. Do you know if your osteoarthritis is, is somehow connected to your menopause? Well, it's connected to, actually connected to a fall, you know. When I was working at a school, you know, I came out of one school, I was rushing to a next school, you know, picking up babies and kids on the way and got to the meeting I was attending it was actually a book reading or something, tripped over a chair, baby went flying, somebody caught her, my knee twisted up and um, we're never the same since, you know, especially as, you know, you try to take time off work and it never looks good. There's always pressure to go, go back early, you know, so I returned to work before I was ready and um, the knee was never quite the same, <laughs> ever. So How long ago was this? This was, um, how old is that child now? So it must have been about 22 years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I've just read here, I'll just read out to you what I've found on a website oh. called uh, uh, versusarthritis.org. Oh, yeah, um, I know that one. You know, okay. Oh, so no. the question is, can menopause worsen, worsen osteoarthritis? And the response is, they can have a significant impact on the day-to-day -day life, and sometimes they can even overlap with arthritis symptoms, which can make oh, it oh. even trickier to get a diagnosis as well as sharing similar symptoms. The menopause can also uh, make pre-existing arthritis symptoms worse. Oh, God, I hear so, that. <laughs> so has anyone said to you over the past 10 years when you've been going through your other symptoms which could be associated with menopause mm. that actually your pre-existing issue could be heightened um, with the hormonal change? No, not at all. I mean... I've never had a conversation with a GP or anything like that about hormonal hormones or hormonal change at all. No, no, really. No, I've all I've known is I know I've got this osteoarthritis that gets worse with time. I know I've been talking to my doctors and health practitioners about um, what do we talk about? We talk about weight loss. We talk about you know, healthy eating. We talk about staying away from white foods, you know, like white sugar, white flour, white pasta, white rice, you know, moving to brown, you know, 
but we've never had that conversation about um, hormones, you know. So I've always been kind of conscious about my weight because I know the less weight I'm carrying around, the sure. happier my knees would be. Yeah, but we've never linked it to menopause at all. You know, like I said, we've never had a conversation about menopause. Menopause has never been a conversation. It's yeah. always been mental health or or, or pain relief <laughs> or, or physio, you know. I mean, I found another um, something else as well <clears throat> on the website called www.caringmedical.com. And it says that estrogen deficiency is known to affect the development of, of osteoarthritis and menopause, um, home therapy suggested to be related to development. Oh, and the development of osteoarthritis. Oh. Okay. Oh, so, so there's loads of information out there. Yeah. I, think, I think at the end of the day, we're not doctors, so we don't know if your your pain is related to your hormone change. Um, we would like to think that your doctor, who you've been seeing for 20-odd years on the topic, would know. We'd like to think. Yeah, we'd like um, to. But really, why we're talking today is that you've had so many symptoms you've been struggling with. Struggling, mm. struggling with. And you've had numerous doctor's appointments over like a decade. Mm-hmm. And no one's ever added a... No, added one and two together to give the no. number two to you, which is, could it be either influenced by, caused by uh, menopause? And that's really why we're here, here really, because you yes. are, you represent um, a lot of women and you also represent, you know, your voice and your story is very representative of a lot of black women. Mm-hmm. Um so not only do does the medical world not 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 inform you or give you the possibility of so as as you say and I've heard this as well you know you need to lose weight people tell you and we're not arguing that we don't need to lose weight because that's yeah. part of our journey but also one of the of things course. you have to deal with when you get to a certain age is that it's harder. <laughs> to lose weight so it's not like we're ignoring them we're trying very hard yeah yeah but it's just it's it's harder um but one of the things that we're saying is that that like for every woman of our age we also have this additional burden which is the menopause and we've got Mm -hmm. all this time in our in in that human race where doctors must know about hormonal change and they've never educated us on it so the doctor never says you know you're losing weight and oh um it would be better for you to read up on the menopause here's a leaflet um because you've reached a stage of your life where you need to understand that your body's changing and 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 that's that's very common for all women that would have been helpful you know that would have drawn my attention to perimenopause if that was given to me yeah you know i don't it's kind of it's kind of weird because in the throes of life, you know, in the busyness and the juggling, it's it's easy to miss that perimenopause phase because you don't know when it's going to start because that can start at well, start any time, you know. So it's easy to kind of think, oh my god! Yeah, but it's easy if you don't know it's happening. Yeah, perimenopause can last for, for between for some people between four to ten years. Mm. Think I mean, about four to ten years of decline. Absolutely. And the thing is, a lot of people I know, a lot of women I know, are still having periods at 54. I didn't know that was a thing. 
Mm. You know, the body is so bizarre, you know. So mm. there should be so much more of a conversation because, oh, my God, we go through, as women, we go through so much. We juggle so much. There, someone needs to say there needs to be a point where people are saying, oh, hang on, you know, you're going to have to start being a bit more kind of careful and look after yourself more because you're probably, you know, this um, perimenopause is going to kick in soon. So you're going to have to change up how you do things. You know, so there's no warning. There's no nothing. It, everything just kind of comes upon you, you know, these different sensations and feelings. And they probably creep up and creep up, but we don't know. <laughs> you know, we don't know what's creeping up and creeping up. We don't know why our moods are changing, our feelings are changing, why things are suddenly becoming more stressful, because we're just not aware. It's that lack of awareness. I feel I feel bad for myself that I had that such a lack of awareness, you know. You know, what what could have been something perfectly normal that was happening to my body. You know, I didn't know. I mean, I think as well, um, there's just a lack of discussion mm. and education around the whole female body and the menstrual area from teenage. Yeah. The only time we talk about it is in relation to pregnancy. Mm. Um, and then we openly talk about pregnancy, but it's all connected. Our oh, pregnancy yeah. and our menstrual and our hormones. Yeah. Um, but that's the only area publicly we feel comfortable talking about. And that's because we give birth to children who belong, you know, and the children are connected to men. That's the, uh, yeah. beyond, beyond the before pregnancy and after there, mm. there is an element of taboo and squeamishness. Um, mm. And I think it has something to do with historically gynecology has been um, been driven by by male male medical people and the only bit that interested them oh. is the bit relating to giving birth to children because we were giving birth to their children oh, um, <laughs> um, and I think before and after I think they just haven't valued or searched effectively I feel yeah. but another thing I'm just thinking as I'm talking to you is it just here or is it everywhere because everywhere Everywhere, but the, but but how they deal with it's different in different countries. So, yeah. for instance, what I, what I understand in gynecology um, as a topic area in Germany is treated very much more seriously. So, mm. I, I've been informed that um, women go and see a gynecologist on a regular basis, whereas here most women never see a gynecologist, and if they do, it's during pregnancy if they have a problem. So. Oh. Um, and 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 some people go to see a gynecologist as for an MOT. Oh God, uh, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> and different yeah, in different countries, the relationship with gynecology. So, mm. and gynecology is the area that specialises in the female system. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, that there, there are more gynecologists per per females in within the country. There are um, women within their lifetime, see more gynecologists um, and the conversation around menopause is different. At the moment, from what I understand, Mm. the UK was shouting about the menopause. It's one of the loudest. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, from what I understand. Because what it is, I'm on um, on an international... um, consultancy board where we talk about the topic of menopause and mm-hmm. I'm on this board with people from all over Europe um, oh, yeah. so, and they talk about the different experiences of menopause for different mm-hmm. countries um, so Spain Portugal, 
Italy, they just sound very different. Mm. Um, and some places, it's um, garden ecology is very much private. It's not okay. so much because um, our, our welfare system and our health system is different in our yeah. countries. So some yeah. people, they see a garden ecologist more often, but they know they have to put their hand in their pocket and go and see. But yeah. it has an impact on the lower social economic groups who can't afford yeah. it full stop. Um, have you spoken to, have you? Um, got any kind of info on, say, Black Americans or Brazilians? You know those places where there's lots of Black women, you know? Because I know in Europe, I know we've got lots of Black people that have migrated there and stuff. I don't know how loud they are. But what about, say, you know, in America? I mean... Most of the research around the menopause of black women has been in America. So there's a, a report. Oh God, I've got, there was a report called the Swan Report. So yeah. I'm looking through my paperwork to see where it was based. The Swan Report. Oh. I've got loads of paperwork in front of me. So because um, I know Americans really celebrate, you know, when the girls, you know, have their first menstruals, you know, and. It, I wonder if they carry on to celebrate kind of menopause. I just wonder because here we don't even celebrate when our daughters have their first period, you know. So I wonder, wonder if the discussion is slightly different with American women, black American women. At the moment, the most important paper that's spoken about with regards to black women is called is called the report. It's called the Swan Report, which is the study of women's health across the nation. And mm. it was produced on behalf of the North American Menopause Society. Yeah, mm. so that, that, and that's quite recent, from what I understand. That's in the past few years. And that's highlighted that there are definitely differences in ethnicities. And it's also taken into consideration mm. life experiences. Um, for menopause I forgot the word that was used yeah so it does take into I can't find the exact word but it does there are reports out there which does take into consideration social um, and cultural um, diversities Mm. because one of the reasons why they believe that black women have um, increased struggle with regards to menopause and to be honest with you loads of health issues yeah. is because there, there are other things in place which have an impact on mm. the, the, the impact of menopause yeah. so on, on a day-to-day basis black black people will like to suffer with cardiovascular issues and with diabetes Oh, goodness. So that's a high rate. And then you have mm. menopause on top, so it amplifies it. But also yeah. with regards to social inequalities, black people are more likely to struggle with regards to poverty, uh, mm. problems with housing um, mm. and all these things. So what happens is that there's more there's more layers and when yeah. there's more layers, um, health issues come along and they're amplified. So that's, that's why... I don't on the medical side there's a conversation there and I'm not a medical person yeah. where mm-hmm. black women are not included enough in their research and therefore when they decide you know, this is the piece of medication that you can take mm-hmm. you know, it either some people feel uh, yeah. I'm not a medical person please don't take this as being gospel <laughs> <laughs> some people feel <laughs> yeah because I'm not you know I haven't got a PhD uh, do you know <laughs> I've, just got, I've got a degree and it's not it's, it's in business studies it's not in medicine um, but some women everyday women are concerned that 
um, the medication that are designed either doesn't work well for women of colour because it hasn't been designed for women of colour. And oh, apparently there are differences. Like black women are more likely to have high levels of oestrogen and collagen oh. and blah, 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 and all these different things. So oh. there are slight cultural differences oh. in the makeup of but, women. But they know that. Medical people know how we're wired because, you know, they, they treat everybody every day. So they must see all these differences in their patients. So I don't think they care. I, I think that's frightening. We need our kids to train up as doctors and, and to go and study medicine and kind of do something. Somebody needs to care because this isn't going away, is it? I, mean, I, think, I think what it is, I think what it is, when it comes to medicine and science, there's a default presumption that, that Europe and America are the most important. Yeah, so I've just read the Swan Report, and yes. the Swan Report said something about um, what was the title of it? The Swan Report is a study of women's health across the nation, but that's because that's across America. There's a presumption. Oh, yes. really. <laughs> so, so even though it looks at black women, it's it's, it's across America, and yeah. I think in um, so I think what happens is that even though they're studying medication that will be used worldwide, I'm sure yeah. the people. I'm sure uh, people in different countries, developing countries in Africa oh. and Asia, if they can oh. afford them, they're using the same medication that's developed in Europe. Yeah. Oh. But their, their social, biological and um, needs aren't taken into account in research. Oh. We need more research. We need a lot more research. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We need a yeah. Lot more. So I think that's where one of the, but the, but as I said, I'm not medical, but people have concerns that either medicine is not fully designed to um, for us to optimize on. Yeah. yeah. So it could it could be that if black women do, I don't know, but if they do have high levels of estrogen, if you're if you're doing research and no none of your sample base have high levels of estrogen, does yeah. it have an impact on the mm. outcomes and what that's you decide true. is the final medicine? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not a medical person, but it's that question out there. Yeah. I mean, I did hear of a black woman who tried HRT um, kind of support. But um, it didn't agree with her. It didn't. It didn't help her at all. She had to take antidepressants instead. Mm. You know. So it's like, oh, I don't know. So I kind of say to myself, what's in the antidepressant that helps with menopause? I guess it's the low mood bit and the anxiety bit. Maybe that's yeah. the bit that kind of helps. But what about everything else? Because the antidepressant's not going to help with. Um, your cardiovascular and your knee pain and and everything else you know so it's you're putting a uh what's it called like a plaster on some things but everything else has been left to kind of you know fester it doesn't it's not it's not a long time solution is it It, it's not a long time solution it's there's inequality yeah because because and it's something that reflects apparently throughout, throughout the whole the whole medical field. Apparently, I mean, as I say, I'm not a doctor, so I'm based on um, discussions with people, and I'm very careful who I pick as sources. I don't, I don't, I don't use YouTube as the source of my um, knowledge. <laughs> so I do listen to doctors when they talk yeah. and people who who work in spaces supporting women. Mm-hmm. I do know, but this is based on my experience. Yeah. I know more women. Who, um, I know, out of all the women I know who take HRT and struggle, mm. more of them are likely to be brown and black. 
more than oh. it's a high ratio. Well, that- that high ratio. That goes to show, and yeah, that just goes to show that high ratio. That, that, that HRT is not made for for black women. We and need our we need our own. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't own. I I don't know whether it's just bad luck. So I, if I was to look at how many people I know who are who are on HRT, the mm. ratio um, I know more women who are white who take HRT. Yeah. If I look at all the women I've spoken to who have concerns about um, struggles with HRT, yeah. ethnic minorities um, are more than uh, white women who take HRT. I, I hear more problems. So based on my lived experience, there is an element of why isn't it working mm-hmm. so effectively? And... Yeah, why isn't it working? I, yeah, because all I hear is, oh, God, it's amazing. Take it. Um, I know loads of women who have started it and come off it because it doesn't agree yeah. with them. Constant bleeding, developing a, if it, polyps. I know a few oh, w- women, polyps, um, which 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 is apparently a concern. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, Belinda, more about you rather than general okay. stuff that... I'm so interested. Honestly, it's like you've opened a whole new world to me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because the thing is that when you do go to um, sessions which talk about menopause, yeah. they don't they don't have the same dialogue as me. And I, mm. as I, say, I don't I don't I don't specialize in medical delivery. I, I will continually yeah. say that I'm a menopause activist and I facilitate peer discussion. So I run yeah. a, a peer group in the town that I live in. Um, and also I'm part, a co-founder of black women in menopause, where we do every two months, we do an online session where we get mm. people, you know, to, so we do that. That's yeah. what we do every that sounds um, really good. And that's why I've learned all the stuff that I've learned. So it's yeah, not just about no, it's opened my eyes. I wanna I wanna learn more. You know, I've got daughters, I've yeah. got friends, I've got young people that I know. I want to learn more. I want to be able to help them so that they don't, you know, they don't suffer the way I've um suffered, you know? Yes. I want yeah. I want their journey to be easier, you know, I want them to feel empowered. You know, mm. as they as they grow and change, because menopause doesn't it shouldn't be, um, you know, the end of your of your kind of healthy life. You know, it's it's the next step. You're supposed to go through it with grace, I'm sure. You know, with the support and with whatever um, you know kind of medical support you need, you're supposed to go through that change. I mean, mm. I mean, women are not supposed to stop feeling themselves you know feeling like a whole person at 50 or 55 you know yeah you know, there's, there's more to us there's we have so much more to offer but we need to feel well to to participate in this journey i mean the average um um oh, i can't remember the exact words but oh, the average women live to about i think 79 or 80 so mm. if you turn 50, that's still 30 years of adulthood. Yeah. That's actually only halfway through adulthood because if you yeah. become an adult when you're 18 and then you go and then you hit 50, that's only 32 years. That's it. And then we've got that's another 30 it. years. So actually, yeah, those, we're those halfway through adulthood. And they should be your best years because you've had the difficulty and the struggles of raising your family and juggling yeah. everything. You know, by the time you get to 50, you know, you should be starting to feel blessed. You know, your mm. children are growing. You know, the demands have changed. You know, you're feeling more confident in yourself. You shouldn't mm. be feeling washed out, drained, stressed. 
low, tired, in pain. That's mm. not how to do it, you know. Yeah. We need to feel, you know, we need to feel stronger. I mean, otherwise, I mean, look at um, look at the presidents. Look how old the American presidents are. I know. A woman trying to go through that without kind of medical su- support, you know, with due to menopause, you know, while these guys are living their best life in their 70s and 80s trying to run countries, we're on our knees, you know, trying to just get a decent night's sleep. Yeah. <laughs> That's not right. Exactly. <laughs> strange. What's happening? Hey, is this a conspiracy? Are they trying to keep us down? What's going on? <laughs> Belinda, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <laughs> They've had their children. Um, throw them on the scrap heap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also one of the things that have an impact on menopause for black women mm. is that actually statistically black women are more likely to have additional struggles. So mm. we're more likely, you know, older black women are actually more likely to be single. Older black women are more likely to um, have financial insecurity in an old age they're more likely to be still balancing the struggle of raising children they're more likely to be balancing the struggle of helping the elderly you know their parents mm-hmm. um so they have a, a higher statistically a higher chance of having these additional burdens where we're still important carers mm. to elderly and children but society mm. doesn't care for us <laughs> There we go. There we go. Respond to that. <laughs> right. Okay. I mean, I can respond to that via my own story. You know, the Berlin, well, it's part of my story, you know. I mean, okay, it's not nice to kind of feel that you're falling into kind of categories or stereotypes. You know, it's not, it's not nice. But we can champion those stereotypes by doing well, you know. And one thing I have learned is that, okay, I might not have much, you know, kind of financially. Um, and, yeah, I am single. You know, I don't, you know, I, I'm. I, it's, it's just me, you know. And I, I have juggled the upbringing of my children, you know. But um, you have to be very, very strong inside. You know, you cannot let society pull you down you really have to keep fighting you know you have to be you have to be tough in this life I've realized you know and I'm I, I tell you I I'm, I feel blessed because although I've done those things by myself and although I've had to, oh my god you wouldn't believe I mean Anita guess how many houses I've lived in guess how many times I've moved in the last um say 18 years go on just give a number guess how many times I've had to move Ten. out 10 that's too far. Eight, Anita. Eight. Okay. Because I know you've moved that. Like, I know you. So yeah. I, I knew, I knew it was like, I mean, the average person moves reason. every, what, seven years or so? Oh, my gosh. Honestly. Now, that alone is a stress, you know, yeah. from small social house. Oh, I want to try and better myself. Let me try the private sector. And then you move to the private sector, you end up with some dodgy landlord, and then you have to move again, then you move again. And the thing is, all the time, you're carrying your kids, you're carrying your stresses, you're carrying your elderly parent that you have to manage. You know, you're carrying all your things, your job. Everything ha- everything has to continue while you're juggling. You know, real juggles. Yeah. And the thing is, if you have pride about yourself, you still want to hold yourself, you know, you want to look dignified. You want to, you know, you don't want to look like you, you're downtrodden, you know. So you're trying to 
balance and juggle so many balls, you know. Mm. And um, it was only, was it last year I moved, you know, I had my eighth move back into, say, a social house, you know, social housing. And I felt, oh, at last I can breathe, you know, I can breathe. And um, I just found the whole experience overwhelming because I was exhausted. I was so, so exhausted from the constant moving, the constant. Every time you move, yeah, you have to chuck things away, you know, Yeah. Um, because you have not that you've got not that you're a hoarder or not that you've got too much stuff. But every time you move, you've got to accommodate the new accommodation. You know, so every time you move, you're throwing part of yourself away, mm. part of your things, things that you love and care about and have worked hard for. You've got to check them out because maybe this time there's no garden. So you don't need your lawnmower. You don't need your um, barbecue kit. You don't need your garden chairs. Get rid, sell them, do whatever you like, get rid. And I kind of used to say to myself, gosh, I feel so, you know, Oh, do I feel envious or do I feel, I don't know how I feel, but all I know is that some people have been in the same house for over 20 years and they've just got their things around them, you know, and it must be so wonderful to feel settled, you know. The past 18 years I felt so unsettled and so kind of tired, so yeah. tired having to um, adjust to different homes and houses and my kids must have felt the same way too, you know. Yeah, and, and that's that's the common thing about um, women, um, black women, um, more so than Asian. I think it's a different experience with Asian women. Yes. Um, it's it's the fact that we are independent. I would say yeah. as women, but it takes uh, its toll, you know. And and I would say that we are strong, but I think it's at our own detriment. I think we're strong yeah. because we have to be. I don't think Absolutely. it's strong because we're empowered. I think yeah. we have lost power. We're disempowered. Ooh. But to yes. get through Monday to Friday, we have to kind of put a battery up our backsides to empower you. I tell you. No, I tell you, it's felt like that, honestly. But do you know what? Let me see. In the past few years, I was more, once the period stopped, say my period stopped at 50. So that's when I thought, oh, okay, menopause. Yes, this has stopped. You know, I, I knew nothing about perimenopause, but I thought, oh, menopause, this period stopped. So something. So I made a kind of conscious decision in my life to think, okay, things have to start being a bit different. You know, with change, I can see that the kids are growing. So it's, I need to kind of start looking after myself because I also had a scare. I noticed that a lot of um, black women were suddenly just dropping dead, you know, just dying in their sleep or having some illness. And then was this before just, COVID or after COVID? This is a little bit before and a little bit after, definitely after. I don't know, I don't know what was happening. Yeah, because I wouldn't be surprised it was connected to COVID. Yeah, but yeah. people were just kind of, Dying. I know, know I didn't, I know. There was like yeah. a stage where like, there was so many funerals. Yeah, literally, and it was amplified. It was yeah. way more. Uh, it this is a prior COVID. Yeah. Prior COVID. Loads of people dying. Loads. I tell you, people were just kind of dropping, dropping. I was like, oh, how old was she? How old? Oh, 54. Oh, you know, then another one, 52, 56. And I thought, oh, God, no, I need to do something different, <laughs> you know? So yeah. I started, I used to start, to say to myself I've still got kids to raise I need to stop this juggle 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 you know it's mm -hmm. not gonna work and I'd go to the doctors and they'll say well Lindsay you need to start looking after yourself you know you really and you know and the way they're looking at me is if to say mm. and I thought they must know something about my health that I don't know and then they're not saying I need to start looking after myself. so I consciously said okay <laughs> 
I need to finally, finally get selfish and start looking after myself. I don't understand menopause, but I know I'm getting older and I know I have to change what I'm doing. You know, I know I've got to make sure I'm eating differently, make sure I'm resting and make sure I'm not trying to carry everybody. You know, I don't. I don't carry everybody now. You know, I just now live in a, a home with my youngest child and my other daughter. You know, she will come back from uni and she'll stay, but she'll probably work and travel. You know, she likes, she likes, um, you know, she likes languages and stuff. So she'll probably, probably live abroad, you know, who knows? But all I know now is that I, I take my life seriously and like gently. I'm very gentle to myself. Mm. You know, I'm very, very kind to myself. You know, I make sure I live a very simple, comfortable life. I mean, I don't have money at all. I don't have money, but I do have my health, you know, so I really, really move gently. You know, I mean, mobility makes me walk slow, <laughs> so I don't walk fast anyway. But I just, you know, I do move gently. I do. I'm trying to give myself a very gentle experience. And it's new to me because I'm not used to looking after myself at all. I'm not used to resting. I'm not used to um, keeping my mind simple and, you know, and without overcrowding it, you know. I've become more uh, mindful with myself, Okay, you know, that's the thing. I've become more mindful. There are times, get this, where I'll just sit in an absolutely silent room and just listen to my own breathing, you know, just absolutely connect with self, you know, because I kind of thought if I don't slow down, you know, I won't be here much longer, yeah. you know, and that's what I could actually feel, you know. There was a time before COVID where I don't know what I was going through. I don't know if it was know, menopause, anxiety. It could have been depression. But I felt so, so tired. I felt, do you know what? Is this, is this, is this the end? Am, am I dying? You know, I really felt, I felt so drained and so tired and so overwhelmed with everything. I just felt, oh, it's too much. And that wasn't just kind of out of the blue. If I looked at what I was doing, I could understand why I was feeling like that. I was trying to support family in Nigeria. I was trying to support my four kids. I was trying to support myself. I was trying to work. I was trying to juggle. I was trying to cope with, uh, you know, with the landlord. I was, you know, I was trying to cope with so many things that any normal person (laughs) wouldn't even manage one of those things, you know. But And so I actually fully understood what I was doing. I was doing way too much. Yeah. You know, and, and you that, were supported because yeah. no, the thing no, is that no. some people might be listening and they might be yeah. white, white because white people do listen to this podcast, yeah. yeah, and they might think, well, all women go through that, and I think this is something that people need to understand. Yeah. That when we talk about black menopause and the lived experience, biologically, mm-hmm. as I said, I'm not a med- medical person, I don't know fully about <laughs> the impact of HRD and blah blah blah, but I, I know when it comes to lived experience as a community worker. People yeah. of colour have loads of barriers, yeah? And it could be that white working class also have barriers as well, mm, mm. yeah? We have a high proportion, um, we have a higher t- tendency of barriers. We experience less privilege, yeah? Mm-hmm. And sometimes privilege privilege counteracts barriers. So say, so say for instance, um, you know, you're economically struggling, whatever, but you have a partner, 
Yeah, and therefore that partner mm. is a buffer zone, hopefully, mm. economically. Yeah. Or even yeah. if the par- partner's not earning enough money for the household, mm. the household is still struggling. Yeah. At the end of the day, if you want to go out for a walk um, at midnight, um, hopefully you can leave your children with your partner um, yeah. and go out for a walk. If you're a person on your own and you don't have that support system, mm. then you can't. And that could be your only me time. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then what happens is that we're 50, we're half a century, which as my son reminds me. And then we, <laughs> yeah. And then that what happens is that if you then add a cumulative, cumulative um, impact of a lack of support mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, loads of barriers, but not much privilege. And you multiply it by 50 years as well as racism and, mm-hmm. um, and everything like that. It ha- it adds it becomes a big massive ball, a big massive ball, and that's this is what people of color have to deal with this massive um, kind of um, disadvantage which have been created over cent you know decades of their life, <clears throat> um, and that's why things become an additional burden. Um, and if you you know if you're poor and you're a man then uh, clearly you know you're experiencing disadvantage or whatever but you mm. still have male privilege there's there's still certain places that you walk into and you still benefit if you're poor and you're a man and you you find a girlfriend guess what who cooks you dinner and washes your clothes and who is your house a woman so you may be poor and a man but then you can yeah. actually go out and marry a servant women Women to find a man to help them clean, to mm. find a man to do the cooking for them. That is virtually Ooh, impossible. But it could be. Oh my goodness. Someone to kind of make some really nice meals, you know, yeah. just kind of dance around the kitchen in the apron. Oh, yeah. wonderful. That would be good. <laughs> so, but if you're going through the menopause and you just need a bit more help around the house or you need help um, doing stuff and you're extra tired, you need to be cared for more, but mm. men very often marry carers. Women often don't marry carers. <laughs> That's the reality of it. But I yeah, need to look for a carer. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need a app, not a dating app. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, so Belinda, I mean, you've made. Can you just describe? in a bit more detail your life choices that you've made because i know you've mentioned yoga and swimming can you just go a bit more into detail about what you've done and changed oh, what have i done now to change right okay let's do that okay what i've done to change is absolutely change for yeah change the way i work yeah because although i absolutely adored working in schools yeah i love the kids love the connection with everything um because of the night the morning is hard. The morning is painful. So now I use my morning to wake up slowly, get up slowly. Um, I like to do stretching, you know, wake up, stretch, stretch all those joints because everything hurts when we wake up. So take the time. You this is not a thing you can do if you're running to work for, for half seven, eight o'clock, you know. So take my time to wake up, drink, um, you know, kind of um, hot drinks that are made with um, turmeric, ginger, lemon, lime, you know, all kinds of good things for my body, you know. 
um, listen to wholesome podcasts like yours, you know, and just just in you know inspire myself, educate myself, you know, take walks, um, say positive things to myself, you know. I choose my words really carefully now, you know, and um, you know, just make sure I'm eating things that are good for my body. You know, I mean, when you don't have much money, you don't have many choices as what you actually buy. But, you know, you can, you know, you can look, you can be quite savvy. You know, you can look on those shelves and those markets and in the supermarkets and just pick a few green things, a few more greener things, leave a few oily things behind and, you know, just make little changes, little, little changes. And um, I've started swimming. I mean, I'm I'm not a natural swimmer, but I do like being in the water. I do like kind of moving around in the water. I like going to aqua aerobics, you know, that's fun. When I'm in the water, I, I'm smiling, you know, and that's really good for my soul, you know. I feel weightless, you know. I don't, <laughs> so that's quite nice, you know. So I'm trying to do little things to make myself feel happy. Um, I try to... I try what's the other thing I like doing. I mean, I'm social, but I'm not social. I like people's company, but I don't like people's company. So I like my own space. So I use my space to read. I use my space to draw. I use my space to, you know, just reflect, you know, and just grow as a person, you know. And I do enjoy the tuition that I do with young people and children because I want them to grow. I want them to have good life chances, you know. So that's very satisfying because it means that, you know, they can, you can talk to them on a level. You can enrich them as well as educate them, you know. So that is a, you know, that's a quite a nice, satisfying profession to be in. And it works with my health, you know. It's not a thing I have to do in the morning. I can time manage that perfectly to fit around my own kind of life circumstances. and. Um, you know, when you get those results in, when they pass their exams and pass their SATs and pass all their papers, we rejoice. Honestly, we celebrate together. Honestly, we had like, I think there's a whole 100% pass rate this time, you know, with SAT. You know, the parents were coming to me and saying, oh, Belinda, I'm so happy. My child has passed his SATs, you know. You want to say to them, do you know what? In the larger scheme of things, it doesn't matter, you know. They'll be fine. Just look after their mental health, you know, just keep them happy. Just keep them learning, you know, but you kind of joy with them. You enjoy with them and you kind of celebrate with them and you just kind of, you know, you're happy that they're happy. You're happy that the learning approach is working and you're happy that people are achieving, you know. So, you know, I'm just I'm just kind of learning as I'm going. There's no rule book to this life, is there? There's no guidebook. So we just have to just keep taking small steps and, and just moving forward as best we can, you know. We just have to be kind, you know. We have to be kind. And have you noticed, Anita, you know, like um, in the workplace, you kind of do get women in that are bosses and stuff. Sometimes you kind of look at these women and you kind of think, don't they go through menopause or something? Because sometimes they're the hardest people to deal with, you know. Sometimes they can be so cruel to people that are struggling. It's like they've never struggled. It's never, I mean, mentally or physically, because sometimes they're very hard. Sometimes they're very hard and cold. And, um, you know, sometimes they really, really make life difficult for people that are clearly going through menopause. You know, there's no conversation in the workplace where, you know, a person can take you aside and say, you know what, 
this might be the start of menopause. This might be something, you know, you're going through. How can we help you? There's nothing. It's like those women turn into something militant and they don't care, you know. We've got to the stage in some workplaces, yeah, where if you're not up to speed, there's no interest. Don't be there. We can't You mean with, re- with re- regards to women more so than men? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean I, we're not going to spend ages on this because I've got a view on this because I'm really mm. conscious of your time. So I know you've yeah, got to go over it. Yeah. 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 But I, I think... <laughs> too much or is it you that talks too much which one both <laughs> <laughs> but i think i think this is kind of a knock knock on impact i think of feminism i think mm. i'm a feminist and, and but i call myself an intersectional feminist so i don't call myself a feminine feminist there's like this kind of space in the feminist world where um they want um they don't want equality to men they want to optimise on male power. Yeah. Mm. So there are some women who their ideology around feminism is not about being equal. It's about they look at people of extreme power and mm. they just want to reach that same level. Yeah. Oh, so they don't okay. want they don't want you to be equal to them. No. They don't want me to be equal to them. They mm. want to be able to optimise and be greater than you and me, even though we're all women and even though they're, they're, they're benefiting from um, feminist dialogue. So, yeah. you know, they're the type of people, yes, I'm a woman, I want equality in the boardroom. But actually what you really want is to run the boardroom because once you're there, yeah. you, don't, you don't encourage <laughs> other women to join you. Because <laughs> <laughs> these women aren't supporting women. That's the, yeah. that's the so they're talking yeah, about they want equality, they want equal power, they want access yeah. to the same income. Yeah, yeah. They get to positions and power, and they're harder on women. They, yeah, don't, they don't want other women in their space. Yeah. yeah, they're not supportive. So they use feminism to 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 actually benefit from male dominance. Once they're in that space of um, a, that space where they have entered, where mm. it's hard for women to enter, they yeah. then make it harder for other women. Exactly. Yeah. They want it for themselves. They want it for themselves. So actually, it's not feminism. They want a, they want a form of um, 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 male dominance, but in the skirt. They, <laughs> but anyway, well, but that's just that's got enough to do with menopause at all. And I've realised because women like that. Once I understood what they were about, it's it's yeah. not it's not a form of feminist femi- no, feminism, no. but they use feminism to get into the boardroom. Mm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so once so I worked out, female charm to get to their boardroom, and then they absolutely yeah, they don't help other women. Around them, yeah, yeah, because they they're harder menopausal women. They're harder yeah. on ethnic minorities. They're harder on lower social economic group white working class women. They don't offer women equal pay. They don't create a system where women the women can follow up. And benefit from their their mm. them being but basically they they want to be Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher yeah. didn't, didn't help other women. Mm. She, mm. she fought to get where she was as a woman, yeah. and then she literally closed the glass exactly. door and cemented it over and didn't yeah. make it easier for other women. Exactly. She just stood there and fought men. Yeah, um, totally. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. That's my opinion. Oh, but, <laughs> But we'll talk about this another time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, with regards to in t- in two minutes, what what would you like to see as a future for women and menopause? 
Okay. I would like for the future, I would like to see that the conversation is absolutely out there. Absolutely out there. And I'd also like to hear that, do you know what? There's going to be funding for research into more kind of medical support for black women going through menopause, you know? I think we need some kind of trials and testings. Let's look into this. Let's give black women something to help them with their menopause. Let's do that. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah, That would be because we, we, we're just not included much in research. Um, yeah. And also we do have different lived experiences, even though, yeah. even though, you know, you and I, I were born in this country and, you know, we, we can be, we can meet friends. We could both of us got friends who are white and Asian. Yeah, yeah. Um, we get on really well. We've got loads of things in common, but actually if you look at statistics and conversations, you notice that there are differences. Right. Um, it's not, it's not yeah. nice. It's not, it's not fair. You know, yeah. it's not there's, fair. There's, there's and it's not of... nice for our friends because they don't, our friends who love us, they don't want to see us suffering. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they don't understand it. I've had loads of conversations with people before who are my friends, and they don't get they don't they don't they don't get that that they they may benefit from a certain degree of privilege. They don't understand Mm -hmm. it, and you think, well, you've been my friend all this time. You've heard me moaning. Why don't you get it? You know, it's it's also an element of not listening. Um, Sometimes sometimes it is just about being female, but sometimes Mm. it's it's female and being something else. There's additional barriers. Um, yeah, no, we have and, to and women have to just fight for each other. Yeah, we can't rely. I think, so. I think as, as black women, I think also we can't rely on black men to fight for us. I think we just have to get out there. <laughs> Stop laughing, Belinda. We just get Sorry. out there. <laughs> Did you see my face? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think sometimes black women we have to advocate for ourselves, and yeah, we can't rely on right. anyone else. Sometimes no, because no. even though we have people who have other ethnicities helping us, um, exactly. it's not their lived experience, and sometimes it's not accurate, or they it's they true. they put their narrative um, in front of your narrative to help us, and it's just not the same. And then the opposite sex, they've got their own problems, um, oh. really. So we let let them get on with it. So. Um, so thank you very much belinda my pleasure my pleasure i'm quite nice actually you know i mean i don't mean to man hey it's good to have a little rant on again isn't it okay right okay i better let you go it's nice talking to you i'll speak to you soon speak to you soon stay strong okay god bless take care baby okay bye. Bye 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 Thank you for listening to today's podcast and I I had a great time talking to Belinda and Belinda was an actual pleasure to interview because she was able to tell us a bit about her struggle, her story, dealing with osteoarthritis, dealing with constantly moving, dealing with the day-to-day struggle of being a menopausal woman um, in post-menopausal stage and struggling Um, with finances, housing, children, and also when her mum was alive and caring. So um, thank you very much for listening. If you could follow, like, listen to my podcast and and my social media and keep up to date with all the things that I'm doing, that would be absolutely brilliant. Also, I've got a request out there to you. I, I run a peer support group in the town that I live in, and I'm trying to raise funds, really, for the group. So if anyone out there... Wants to, wants to support 
I mean, the work that I do around the podcast and also support me in um, providing a safe space where, where women can come and talk to um, other women about their menopause experience. Please, 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 please donate to um, my GoFundMe and my, or just buy us a drink on, is it Kufi? Um, which I will attach in the show notes. So if you want to support the work that I'm doing um, and support me, I will most appreciate it because a lot of stuff I do, I do at my own time and my own cost. So I would really appreciate and value all all the support that I receive. Have a great day. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 